WTF Am I Drinking? We're excited to get together for the first time in 2022 and talk about drinks, the ins, the outs, what they're all about, why we love them. I'm Courtney Eisman, and I'm your host. I work on Taproom's blog. I'm joined by Hannah Heath, creatively covering brand strategy, development, and awareness for Taproom. Each episode, we're turning to a brand we love to walk us all through a different, fascinating aspect of beer and other beverages, from ingredients to process to pairings. If you haven't listened to our first episode yet, we caught up with the brand Ditto on all things Piquette and learned about their exciting Piquette spritz. Today, for our second episode, we're setting our sights on craft beer and a very special ingredient in particular. We're sitting down with Dimitri Yogaratnam, founding partner and CEO of Oslo Brewing Company. Oslo Brewing Company is indeed located in Oslo, but this brewery has been making its way around the world via its remarkable, buzzworthy beer. One of those beers is an IPA made with kvike yeast. And kvike seems like it's continuing to pop up more and more over the past year or two. So Dimitri is going to tell us about Oslo Brewing Company, and then we're going to really dive into all things kvike yeast. This is WTFMA Drinking Kvike Yeast Edition with Oslo Brewing Company. So hello everyone, uh, Taproom is really excited to be here with you, Dimitri, for also Brewing Company. Um, we, you know, really want to get to know you and the brand before we get to the exciting topic that we're going to be discussing. Um, so first of all, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, and so in order to do so, in order to get to know you a bit, um, I know also Brewing Company has a really cool story. Uh, so why don't we just let you sort of take it from the beginning, you know, your love of craft beer, um, how you got, how you sort of ended up in Norway and how also Brewing Company grew from all of that. Yeah. yeah so also Brewing Company was started by a group of friends, um, my wife and most of the investors are all friends from uh, high school and they all happen to have a really convenient set of skills. We had a few graphic designers, a publicist, web designer, an accountant, a lawyer. And then there was me from the food and beverage industry. And um, I've been in the food and beverage industry for as long as I could work. I mainly as a bar and restaurant manager, but also as a chef and I'm a trained pastry chef as well. Um, about 2009, I moved to Norway with with my wife, uh, we had lived in Rhode Island together, where I'm from, um, for five years. And then um, when I moved there, I started working in a restaurant group and kind of worked my way up there and got uh, friendly with the owners and told them my dream about opening my own place. And um, he invited me into um, a craft beer bar that he was opening called Smeltevarke. Um, and at the time I wasn't super into craft beer, but, um, this bar ended up being, it had the second longest bar in Europe and was just like filled with tap lines. And yeah, we had, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, enormous and I was a manager there and then, yeah, I just had to get into craft beer and then fell in love with it. And, um, yeah, my friends and partners always hung out there and we had these huge serving tanks where people would always ask us like, do you make your own beer here? And. After like 3,000 times of getting that question, we figured, hey, maybe we should 
probably start making our own beer. And um, yeah, we had a night in the bar one night where we came up with uh, um, that someone should make a beer for Oslo because Oslo is doing a lot of cool things and we really want to tell that story. And um, yeah, you know how nights in a bar with friends and big plans sometimes go, uh, sometimes don't happen, but the next morning, um, someone got the website, someone registered the company and we were meeting the next day and over that, like, and things just started rolling from there and everyone was super motivated. And the next year after that, we just started, um, really getting down to work and, um, it was a super fun process. It was just working day and night with a lot of great friends and we brought in other friends that, um, and it was just a lot of energy around it, like family and everything. And then, um, so we ended up, Oslo Brewing Company, we wanted to really capture the energy of Oslo as a brand. Um, like Oslo is really diverse and really welcoming. has this great sense of community and it's, um, no one's really telling that story. It's, uh, there's like this really great cross section of like a vibrant urban life and a great culinary scene. And it's, uh, and then on the other side, you have this great nature that surrounds the entire city forests and like the oceans and the fjords and everything and um the regions don't really like talking about that so much it's uh or they're not so boastful so uh <laughs> took an american to come in and start Oslo brewing company to start showing off the city a little bit um yeah so it's uh when we first started um we put uh we had like a tagline called putting oslo on the map through beer so we've always had the intention of being an international brand. And um, that's why, like, right when we started, we opened our bar, Ul, in Tokyo. Ul is a Norwegian word for beer um, that uh, Asians love saying, um, or people in Japan love saying. It's, uh, so, um, yeah, that's been a great hit and really kind of helped us get into the international market. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, and, yeah, also an important thing, we're a contract brewery. Um, which means we rent space from other breweries. So we have four partners here in Norway, which has been a lot of fun. We get to work with a lot of different brewers with a lot of different experience. Um, yeah, we work from uh, with a really experienced German Pilsner brewer to make uh, our Nordic Pilsner, which is fantastic in our flagship beer. And um, yeah, we work in uh, Lufoten, which is just a beautiful place in Norway, which has just... Lots of mountains and nature, and just uh, really, really nice. And um, yeah, the contract brewing also gives us a lot of flexibility um, uh, to brew in other places. That's how we got connected with uh, with Fufu uh, contract brewing in the U.S., so we can get people fresh beer in the U.S. And uh, yeah, it gives us a lot of flexibility in our business, so we can do projects like this. Awesome. I mean, the international reach from like kind of that you hit the ground running with, I think is, is really special and unique. Um, you, you kind of start to get into it a little bit. Um, but I, I think it'd be fun just to hear like sort of what the response has been like in these different parts of the world. Like how are people, how, how are you finding people are connecting with also brewing company beer? Uh, that's been really fun. It's, um, in, um, in Asia, anyway, it's, uh, if, I'm sure you're familiar with Voss Water, uh, which is from there. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, that's, I feel like that has done a lot of the work for us. Because then 
uh, a lot of the salespeople say, oh, this is made with the same water as Voss water. And uh, it's just, and everyone just so had interesting. This, like, this pristine environment and um, which it is like, it's Norway is beautiful. And um, yeah. So everyone just has this um, image of Norway being just very pristine and high quality and everything's great. So like uh, the products have been received really, really well. Especially our pills now, which is, um, yeah, just really just uh, clean and sleek. And yeah, it really fits well in the Asian market. Um, and different markets uh, react different ways. Um, yeah, and the U.S., we're just getting off the ground. So we don't have a lot of research on how, how people are reacting to it, but it seems really positive. We've gotten a lot of, uh, we get a lot, of, a lot of warm response from people so far. Um and uh yeah and in norway yeah yeah it goes great it's uh in oslo we do great in uh cities where they're um you know we have friendly rivals with um you know know, we chose a pretty strong uh geographical name so (laughs) oh i was just gonna say i know i can speak for the taproom sales team that when they're out in the field um especially in new york talking about the brand it's so easy for them to paint a picture of where this beer comes from, the scenery. Um, Dimitri actually got to come to the taproom office and talk about Norway. And I think the entire sales team has this like long landscape pitch of, you know, how beautiful the landscape is. And it's just such an easy sell because you're just selling this whole lifestyle of travel and, you know, like, somewhere that people want to go especially now during covid i think yeah. um, it, it's such a it's just such like a a great um picture to have in your head when you're having the beer yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes uh we kind of target that um uh outdoor lifestyle as well so it's uh that's very much what being in oslo is all about it's like you get that you can be a foodie you can really love going out and hitting the town at night but then you can also in the morning you can be out hiking and cross-country skiing in the morning and just really deep in nature and not see a building for as far as you can see so it's uh yeah pretty unique in that way so that's uh that's the story that we that we like telling i think that hits upon something good too uh that would be interesting to talk about quickly here um in addition to like when you said that the pilsner is a really nice showcase for this amazing water that you're brewing with um when it comes to everything from the actual physical ingredients to even that you know that vibe that you're embodying and and the spirit of oslo and life there um again, before we get to the Quebec IPA in particular, do you want to sort of talk a little bit more about some of the other specific beers and how they, they do play that role? Like they do sort of convey that, that spirit of Oslo and Norway. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, all the beers that we make kind of, um, we want to make easy drinking beers and just um, we're, we kind of see ourselves as, kind of the, the gateway drug into craft beer because we're we're not the we're not we don't make too many like imperial imperial stouts and barrel aged beers and things like that and very challenging sour beers. We make really easily accessible um things that kinda um you know flavors that you see in your day to day life and things that you just wanna 
grab and have with dinner and just uh, really approachable beers. That's kind of what we're uh, searching for. And we also make uh, concepts that kind of resonate with people's day-to-day life. I think um, the beer that we launched with in the U.S. and the beer that we launched with in pretty much uh, every new market is our Oslov, which is a passion fruit blonde. That's a year-round beer that we initially made for um, for Oslo Pride. We were really proud about that. It's a fairly unique uh, Pride celebration um, in the way that it's really like the entire city gets involved. Like from uh, yeah, people. It's a family event. Like people are just more excited about like you know, is it just excited to see all the unique people and get their face painted and just like have a good have a good night and it's uh it's a really beautiful celebration and but the the word Oslov comes from um yeah in Oslo there was this terrorist attack that happened and um afterwards like a lot of cities have been hit by terrorist attacks unfortunately and afterwards the city usually comes together and Oslo was no different and the tagline with that was Oslov um and it was the entire town was like, we're not going to react with hate. We're just going to react and be more open, be more diverse, be more welcoming. And it was a really beautiful thing that we liked and that we wanted to capture in that beer. And that's kind of at the core of what our values are as a company and the, the values of what Oslo are. And that's what we want to communicate. So that's, uh, that's usually the beer that we enter in with because that's uh, really telling the story of who we are and what we want to be and who we want to be. That's a really great story. Um, okay, so we're gonna get into our explainer a bit here. So this is um, a great time for me to find out if I've been embarrassing myself. Am I pronouncing Kvaik correctly? Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> like now that I've said it seven times. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so because also Brewing Company has this fantastic Kvaik IPA, and because you are in Norway, where this yeast strain originates, um, we are going to have you walk us through a bit about this. Uh, so basically, Hannah and I have been talking lately when we are talking about this IPA, um, the fact that I think here in the States, we've been starting to see like printed on cans the last couple of years or so. And so I think there's a perception among some American craft beer drinkers that this is like a hot new thing when really it's brewers sort of coming around to something that's been around for actually a very long time. Um, can you tell us anything you sort of know about the history and origins of Kvike yeast? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, It's been around for a long time. I actually tried finding out when when it was actually founded, but it, uh, there's no clear clear date on that. It's um, It's just been around... Um, even Vikings used it, um, and it's, wow. it's it's categorized as a farmhouse ale, um, and a lot of farms in Norway use this uh, use this yeast for both beer brewing and bread making. You only have one yeast, so and it was just a constant job, just baking, brewing, baking, brewing, because you had to keep the yeast alive. If your yeast went sour, then you had to go get it from your neighbor or somewhere down the road. That's why it's, uh, you know, today when there's not so many farms around and that kind of almost went out of existence, luckily not completely out of existence for us. But um, I think in, um, 
it was not that long ago. It was uh, in the early 2000s. There was uh, a strain from Voss that was sent to a lab. And then that was uh, to be cultivated and then used commercially. And then, yeah, remember when homebrewers started using it. And then we started hearing about it. And it was uh, friends would just be passing it around through homebrew communities. And that's where it kind of started. And uh, commercially, um, it didn't come to a little bit later. I, I, the trend blew up almost in Norway the same time as it did around the world. It, uh, it felt like anyway, it's uh, when, we, when everyone started brewing beers, then you start seeing beers being brewed in other countries with like, and you're like, how did they hear about this already? It's, uh, it's, uh, it, it seemed to happen really quickly. It's, but the flavors and everything about it is just uh, is really special. So it was great that it's uh, come back to life. So is that sort of how it spread um, in the, in the more in the recent years in the brewing community through homebrewers sort of catching on to that? Like, I'm just, I think I'm, tr I'm wondering how maybe it, it reached so far outside of Norway and, and even Scandinavia. Well, like, uh, uh, the quite the there are a lot of different quite strains. So like there's uh yeah, Upshaug, which is uh the one that we use in our beer, and there's Voss and there's even an, uh, a newer strain called Oslo that uh, another um a lab has made it's not uh original. Um but uh they all have the same uh, genetic properties but they're all different strains. So they've all been um cultivated in different regions and just kept alive. There's been, I think there's probably like three or four original strains that have been kept going, but, um, and then just passed. It's uh, really similar to, you know, like a sour sourdough, sourdough starter. So if you pass that around, you can transfer it in bread. It's uh, it's the same, like I was saying, you can use the yeast for, for bread or for beer. So it's uh, passed around that way. Down through, down through families. It takes a lot of work and diligence to keep those things alive for hundreds of years. Yeah, I was going to ask how it sort of, uh, like how something sustains for that long, right? Like the, it's been so many hundreds of years that this has been passed down and used. I mean, is there, do we know anything about sort of the immediate value that people started noticing it was bringing to beer, which is like why it made it something that even when that wasn't the only thing available for brewing in Norway, people did want to keep using it. Um, the value for home brewers, there's a, well, the value for home brewers is that it brews. You, you can make beer really, really fast. Like a normal, a normal beer will take you. Yeah. Anywhere from like three to six weeks. Right. So then, but this beer, like a beer made with quike, if you do it at a really warm temperature can be done ready to bottle in four days. That's uh, oh, wow. really, really, so like a pretty much a week later, you're drinking beer after you brew beer. So that's, uh, I think that's what keeps it pretty interesting for, for home brewers. You don't need to buy the expensive equipment to control temperatures or anything like that. You don't need to even think about that really. You just, um, yeah, if you brew it a little bit colder, it tastes a little bit cleaner. If you brew it a little bit warmer, it gets a little more fruity flavors. But it's 
there are no all flavors with Quick. It's really um, user friendly, very easy, and just always makes a good beer. But um, yeah, so I think that's uh, yeah one of the values that homebrewers see. And then I think it's really exploded because of the values that it brings to commercial breweries with uh, with the same things brewing fast, like. If you're turning over a beer in two weeks instead of three to four weeks, and you just double your capacity almost in the brewery, and um, yeah, it's uh, and also the yeast is so versatile. From um, if you brew it colder, you have like a ale that's closer to maybe a blonde ale or a lager or something like that, and if you brew it warmer, you can get these really fruity esters that are. Um, really great for IPAs and New England IPAs and things like that. So it's really versatile. So it's, yeah, just very user-friendly yeast. Um, so I think it's, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. So that's brewing. And then in terms of you're, you're getting a little bit into the flavors mm-hmm. and aromas it might be imparting. Um, mm-hmm. So let's talk a bit about, again, before we get into like the specifics of like how it affects different styles and, and how you've used mm-hmm. it. Um, are there any... I know, so Quebec isn't known, it doesn't have fennels, right? So you're not going to get any of that like spice um, from fermenting at higher temperatures. Um, as far as the esters, like are there specifics that Quebec is, is associated with? Uh, there's a few different strains. Most of them are uh, tropical fruits, but some of them, um, the one that we use in particular, the upside is more that's pretty clean. Um, that does impart some flavor. Like I think that uh, does have a little bit of a, a little spiciness to it, but uh, it's overall very, yeah, just a clean, uh, clean flavor. But um, I think that's the two, two varieties. There's uh, yeah, like the Voss that has um, a lot of tropical fruit, guava, citrus, and um, yeah, the Stranda hops which the upside was a part of that's more clean. Have you seen any variations per region? Um, like certain regions like to use it with certain flavors or like the trends that have been happening as it's um, kind of spread? Yeah. Um, I think, well, this yeast complements, you know, every, every craft brewery likes making their New England IPAs. So it's uh, this it, it really complements that style really, really well. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, that's um, uh, been the biggest hits. And then uh, I haven't seen, like people have made a lot of uh, other styles of beer with Pike, of course, but um, I think the lagers and really um, more straightforward beers are really unique and have a, uh, yeah, full-bodied, um, yeah, like a full-bodied lager. It's really nice, but I uh, don't see as many of those as I w- would like to see. I think we'd like to make those pretty soon. Um, Very interested in that. I would love a yeah. more like full-depth lager. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah. I think it would be. Um, yeah, I think uh, we should make some more of those. But uh, IPA seems to be the trend with this uh, with this style, quite or yeah, like uh, some. Farmhouse sales there are some twists, twists on that, like a side, like a Norwegian version of a size on, I guess. 
It's interesting that uh, that you said before that this sort of exploded at the same time in Norway as it did in the States, because I I had this sneaking suspicion that I'm like, oh, we probably just caught on to this. And people in Norway have been enjoying Kvike, like fermented craft beer for years. So so this really did all sort of like boom at the same time-ish, so to speak. More or less, it's it's been around... If you go to Voss or like someplace where the yeast was being made, like you, you can of course go to a farmhouse and you could have found this beer made with their house yeast. But yeah, it wasn't commercially available. For sure, they wouldn't, you couldn't find it in your grocery store like you can now. It's uh, more at the local liquor store or something. But uh, yeah, now it's uh, really ready available. What so we we know the the benefits for brewers in terms of as a drinker as a consumer you know the person enjoying that beer what do you think maybe is making that difference that's leading to Kvike's popularity like do you remember the first time you had a beer made with Kvike yeast and sort of like is there a difference you're picking up on even if it's subtle and maybe the average beer drinker wouldn't know exactly why like is there is there some noticeable difference there um there's definitely like it brings a different kind of fruit flavor than hops do so it's uh it's nuanced like there's still the tropical fruits there's still this yeah the citrusates that hops give but it's definitely different it's uh just um i guess uh yeah it's kind of like making a soup or something and you know if uh you get different layers. You put, uh, you know, your hops, your herbs, and you know, I guess the root vegetables in it are are kind of the yeast in there. So you get like different layers of flavor, and that that's what the yeast is doing. So it really makes a more full-bodied kind of complete complete beer. I guess. So is the Quebec IPA also brewing company's first beer with Quebec? No, we've made a few. We've made um. We made an Easter IPA with Quike that was uh, pretty good. We made a couple. Of, uh, we've done a lot of IPAs with Quike. The first beer that we did um, was with. Um, uh, that was when we first started hearing about Quike, and you know, a friend of a friend had gotten us like a vial of these to do a test batch with, and um, and we made uh, a cider with uh, Norwegian apples, Norway's. Uh, really proud about their apples are super crisp and tart and great um and we also made um yeah a saison ish kind of beer and then uh we blended them together um and that just came out yeah that was just really nice though we had a test lab that we were just doing just a few kegs at a time and um yeah that one came out great it was just uh yeah just a really really dry so, yeah the sizer so, yeah Sounds so good. Yeah, it sounds so good. Yeah, it sounds delicious. Especially with like an amazing. I'm just picturing like the best apple I've ever had in my life. Yeah, <laughs> just in this beer too. <laughs> yeah, that was our first one. That was our first experience with it. And that was uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. But uh, we hand grinded those apples, so that was uh, we didn't do that. We didn't scale that one up. It was a labor of love. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you have there been any other styles that you've you've experimented with or, or tried any uh, any hits any misses with Quebec? Um, we've 
done. It's been with the IPA and then that the farmhouse ale. I would love to get into more um, cleaner styles that don't have um, the adjuncts that just let the yeast shine. Because uh, yeah, there aren't too many of those on the market, and the yeast has so much flavor in itself. And so with everything that's happening, uh, that's another conversation. But everything that's happening in the malt world. Now there's uh, there's a lot of flavors there, so just have something that just really lets uh, the beer shine without uh, all the hoppiness would be a lot of fun. Something that I really like to make. That would definitely fit in with the portfolio of other flavors you have. That yeah. is very drinkable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we vote yes for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the the piece de resistance. So I, I have it here, and I'm really excited. Uh, so I'll take a pour of this so we can talk a little bit about the Quebec IPA here in particular. Courtney, is this your first time trying it? We're getting yeah. a real life reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that lovely? That's a great pour. Um, oh, it smells so good. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit before we get to the flavor and aroma. Um, maybe concepting of this beer, like how... So you're working with Kvike on these, you know, these, you have this farmhouse, you have this other IPA that you've done. Like how did this particular Kvike IPA end up in this can? Well, we wanted to use Upsaug uh, yeast because that's, um, uh, yeah, from Strana, which is, it's a really clean uh, quite yeast. So it's... Um, it ferments out without a lot of the fruity esters because we wanted, we had great hops and we have Galaxy, Citra, and Amarillo. We really wanted to make those shine. And we wanted to have the quite yeast just provide that full body and just kind of, yeah, the um, the background flavors and not have the, those two flavors competing. So, um, yeah, so that's the yeast that we chose. And then... Um, yeah, the body is just uh, a lot of wheat and oats. And um, yeah, just to make it uh, really full bodied. And uh, the warming sensation is the 9% of alcohol that we. <laughs> which uh, it's a pretty big beer. It's. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, it's something. Uh, it's a bit stronger than what we usually make, but uh, this was. Yeah. Uh, but when we did test batches, this just came out too good to not do it. So it's, uh, yeah. It's scary drinkable for 9%. <laughs> right? Yes. I'm sitting here holding it. I'm like warming it a little bit for the aromas to come up. And I have to say like very few beers can I hold as far away from my nose as this one. And like the, the tropical aromas are just like dreamy. They're just like coming right up. Yeah. yeah how cold is it in New York today? Uh, like, it's, yeah, <laughs> like 18 degrees. So yeah. uh, it might be as cold in Oslo. I'm not sure, but it's uh, it's not that bad. It's actually uh, yeah, it's over 30. It's over 30. So it's uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just taking Courtney to a a beachy, yeah. beachy uh, place. That is really really drinkable, and it's it's really lovely and balanced, but. Yeah, the tropical flavors are, are, are really there. I mean, are there specifics that you get when you drink this, specific tropical fruits or anything that jumps out at you? Uh, for me, it was uh, like passion fruit, uh, peaches, and um, 
floral from the little bit of floral notes from the galaxy. And um, yeah, definitely some citrus notes. Citra is pretty dominating there. It's um, yeah, and then the the upsal yeast just gives it, it. If you notice that there's like a little bit of a spiciness to it, it's uh, a really yeah, it's a unique little uh, kick to it, which I really like. Yeah, there is a little bit of nice spice there. Yeah, and I really can't believe it's nine percent. Uh, so that you were saying that the the when you got to this batch, you were like, "This is too perfect." Um, yeah, so it wasn't like a conscious like we want to brew a bigger beer. Yeah, we did want to try that out. It's because uh, we we don't usually do that. It's uh, we just wanted to, and so we we've done a test batch with this, and uh, we really want to do yeah a big beer and uh, yeah. We had a test lab. We tried. Um, we had three hundred liter batches, and we tried a lot of different fun beers in that that one while we had it. <laughs> I feel like we've done it right with with Kvik. I mean, I feel like this was a really great explainer that would help people get to know this yeast a bit better. And I feel like if people aren't just like kind of drooling right now, wanting to specifically have the also brick company Quebec IPA to experience it. I mean, it's such a great example, right? Like this is a, this beer is a beautiful crash course in, in what the yeast can bring to a beer. Um, I think what would be maybe like a fun way to end is uh, let's just talk about amazing other Norwegian or Scandinavian, any other, regional ingredients that maybe you are interested in that you want to experiment with like are, are there any other elements of beers that we can expect to see um, from also brewing down the pipeline you know anything that's sort of spiking your interest yeah definitely it's uh, uh well, we take a lot of inspiration from kind of um yeah just things things in day-to-day -day life uh our christmas beer that we've um, just now uh, we use cloudberries which are found in the arctic circle and um yep up in high mountains and they look like raspberries but they're orange and um they have a really unique taste with that and there's a christmas dessert where you mix that with whipped cream and it's called uh, multicrem and we made a milkshake ipa it's a kind of um uh, that was a bit reminiscent of that that would be a yeah, we made that one, and we also made a pilsner with that with the same cloudberries, and it's just uh, such a fun ingredient to use because it's uh, one it's super hard to get. Like uh, me and uh, Fufu have been looking for it everywhere in the U.S. to try and get it. It's uh, but uh, yeah, it's really hard. It's uh, you have to go and like hand pick them in the mountains, and it's uh, so yeah, we really like getting that here. Also, the um, there's berries in Norway, um, strawberries and raspberries. Since in the summer times you have that long sunny days, you don't get sweeter strawberries or raspberries anywhere in the world. We made a, a blonde ale with berries in it, which uh, I think I brought a can for you guys in town from. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, that one was delicious. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, the berries are just uh, so yeah, so nice. We brew those at Lufuten, where they have this massive freezer in the brewery. And people go pick berries in the mountains, drop them off there because they have the huge freezer in the space, and forget about them. And then we get to <laughs> put them in our oh, ears. Oh, my <laughs> God. What a score. 
<laughs> so yeah, that's uh, yeah. One other ingredient is uh, a lot of people use uh, juniper or pine shoots here. That's uh, not so such an unusual ingredient, but very uh, commonly used here. And that's uh, we use that in uh, winter wheat beer that came out pretty nice. Yeah. And I said Norwegians aren't boastful, but it sounds like you're making a very strong case for the fruit. Yeah. And I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm really jealous. So I feel like I'm getting I'm getting a crapshoot of fruit um, now. So yeah, but that's, uh, but that's pretty much it, though. Like, if you want a mango or something, uh, yeah, we don't we don't, don't got those. <laughs> Fair trade. Fair. I think. Yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds what you can get just sounds heavenly. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Well, I mean, I, I think I can speak for everyone at Tap Room, and I'm sure everyone is listening that we're all really excited to continue to see what comes out of Asa Brewing Company. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, thank you so much for imparting your Kvike East wisdom and telling us about the brand. I think, you know, this was, this was really fun. So, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. We're all going to take a trip soon. Great. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> cheers, everyone. Cheers. again Dimitri and also Brewing Company and thanks everyone for listening to WTF Am I Drinking. Head to Taproom to try also Brewing Company's Kvike IPA for yourself along with their Nordic Pilsner, Oslo Passion Fruit Blonde Ale, and Smooth Sailing Tropical Sour. And let us know what you thought of this episode. Find Taproom on Instagram and Twitter at taproombeer and tell us if you have any burning questions about beer styles, hard seltzer techniques, and more. We just might do an episode of WTF Am I Drinking about it. Cheers! Cheers!